Good morning and happy Halloween. I'm Taylor Hymnis here for another edition of Faith in KC. This is our October edition that just happens to be coming out on Sunday morning, October 31st. Happy Halloween to you. Um, spooky season. It's the scary time of the year. Obviously, a lot of you may be headed out to do some scary things with your friends and family, some trick-or-treating tonight, maybe some haunted houses. Hope you have a fun, safe time. How does that relate to faith exactly? Well, uh, for this month's episode, because of the scary vibe of the whole month, I wanted to try and think of something um, frightening or intimidating or a lot uh, for a lot of us. And the thing that someone suggested to me, actually, was the idea of prison ministry and um, talking to a chaplain from a local prison about the work that they do because prisons are obviously scary places and most of us do not want to end up there. And I can't imagine um, what life must be like inside and trying to learn a faith, maintain a faith, find a faith um, or not and just, just live with what's going on behind those walls and behind those bars in many cases. Um, my guest this week is, is Matt Mason. He's the chaplain at the Western Missouri Correctional Facility in Cameron. And he's been there for more than a decade. He was a, he was a preacher beforehand, which you'll hear him talk about. Uh, and he just told me about what it's like to, to sit across from these men and women and almost feel helpless at times. Uh, he definitely talks about the one thing he never says is, I know how you feel because he says, I don't. You'll hear that in this episode as well. So um, I hope you don't mind me stretching the metaphor a little bit here with, with something scary for October, but this is a, it's a tough topic. And uh, the work that he does uh, is scary, but not necessarily because of where he has to be, but because of where a lot of these men and women are finding themselves spiritually in many cases. So uh, I hope you'll enjoy this episode. As always, you can uh, also listen to this if you'd rather just listen to it. Don't have time to watch the video. Uh, let's search for 41 Files on podcasts, wherever you find your, your podcast. Um, and you can reach out to me. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. Uh, and, and you can email me, taylor.hymnis at uh, kshb.com. Let me know what you think for November, what a good idea might be. I got some great ideas for this month, and so I'm looking forward to maybe uh, implementing some of those for November. But as always, I appreciate you watching, and I hope you'll enjoy another edition of Faith in KC. So I'm here with Chaplain Matt Mason. He's at the Western Missouri Correctional Center in Cameron, is where he's uh, kind of stationed right now. Matt, thank you for your time today. Thanks for joining me. All right. Thank you for having me. So let's let's get the uh, the definition out of the way first. What does a prison chaplain's job entail? How do you tell people this is what I do? So a corrections chaplain basically administers, coordinates, and supervises spiritual logistics and spiritual programming for offenders. How'd you get into that? Well, uh, I was a pastor for 14 years and uh, just felt led to kind of broaden my horizons uh, and uh, came across the uh, Department of Corrections uh, website uh, and seen a uh, advertisement for chaplains and felt like that was something I wanted to do because I, I have a passion for people and wanted to make a difference in somebody's life. Uh, pretty common for a lot of churches to have prison ministry, so to speak. And, and if that's not a term, our, our, again, if, if you're not familiar, if this is your first faith in KC, this is not meant to be uh, any one specific type of church. We, we, we cater to all different kinds of faiths. A lot of our episodes have been with members of different faiths. Uh, I grew up in the Church of Christ and have heard prison ministry, that term used a whole, whole lot of people who are members of the church who come out to a, to a prison and 
talk to people, minister to people there. Did you have any experience doing that as your during your time as a as a pastor before you started this? Yes, I started out as a children's pastor, then a youth pastor, then an outreach pastor, and uh, worked on the streets of in, uh, you know as an outreach pastor in St. Louis in Kansas City. Uh, and also uh, through one of my churches, started a prison ministry and, and had uh, gained experience. And so it was something that was a passion for me, outreach and, and the prison ministry. Again, it's all about people. And really, that's what a minister is. A minister is a servant. A minister is to people or serves people. I think just like every person is different, every member of a faith community is different. And there are people that go to a church and are that's what they, they go to church on Sunday morning or whenever they may go to their particular worship service. And that's the, the most of what they do. It's a very internal faith or faith practice. And there are people that do all kinds of things at their church, whether it be being involved in the building or whatever kind of ministry they're doing. What kind of qualities does it take to do what you were just describing? Not just your job, but for someone who gets into outreach and whether it's going into inner cities, coming to a corrections facility, what kind of what kind of qualities does it take for a person to be able to do that? The main thing is you got to have a passion for people. You 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 got to be able to 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 have a passion for people, uh, love people, understand people, uh, listen to people, uh, and and because there's going to be times when you you know you may be different things to different people. You may be a counselor. You may be an advisor. You may be an administrator. Uh, you may be a sounding board, and so you got to have that passion. That's the utmost thing. Uh, you 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 got to love what you do, um, and on top of that, you got to be able to um, you know stay strong because in corrections, it, you know it, there's times when you you have your good days and your bad days. You, you know you're happy some days, and some days it's it's sad. You got to be able to stay strong, and and that that can, that can apply to prison ministry, outreach ministry, any kind of ministry as far as staying strong. Yeah. How long have you been doing uh, prison ministry now or working as a chaplain? How long have you been doing that? Uh, about 11 and a half years. About 11 and a half years. That switch from being a pastor to doing this full time, do you remember it being smooth or difficult? What do you remember about switching from being a you know pastor to working in the, in the corrections offices? I remember my first day uh, as a corrections chaplain, and uh, it, it it was night and day. As yeah. a as a pastor, you know, you 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 really um, take one on one and really take time with the folks. And you may have a congregation of thirty, forty, fifty. With a corrections chaplain, you have a quote unquote congregation of about. 1,200, 1,300, 1,400. And so you immediately uh, find out that it's not a three-ring circus. It's about a 21-ring circus, and you have <laughs> so many. And one of the main uh, courses uh, that a person should take is time management. I remember taking time management uh, in college and thought, I don't know that I need this class. I was thankful that I took it because certainly – uh, once I became a corrections chaplain, I had to use that time management quite a bit. What do, uh, and we're going to talk about the men and women that are in the, the corrections facilities a lot, but 
the first thing I was curious about as we talk about this job is can you can you describe what they expect from someone in in your job? Obviously, you have bosses you report to and that kind of thing. But the men and women who are behind bars, what do they expect from a chaplain? Yes, I can. I actually worked uh, at Chillicothe Correctional Center, the women's prison. There's two in the state of Missouri, Vandalia, uh, uh, when the prison there, and then the one in Chillicothe. And I worked at the one in Chillicothe for a while, filling in for the chaplain there. And they, the women are very emotional. And, and they come in, they're really looking for a sounding board. And, you know, there's times when they are uh, upset about family or relationships. And so they, they're looking for more uh, of a sounding board, somebody, you know, that, that will listen uh, and not always want to add their two cents to it. Men, on the other hand, are fixers and and so you know I, I i started out crossroads correctional center and um which was maximum security institution and i've worked at several institutions in this region and on the men's side they're looking uh for some you know something to fix situations if it's a family issue if it's a relationship issue if it's a spiritual issue they're wanting to find something that's going to fix that. And so the common denominator in all this is I, I do two things. The first thing that I do is listen. And the second thing that I feel that not only I, but any chaplain could and should bring to the table is a very, very powerful thing. And that's hope. That's the most powerful thing that you can give a person. And, and I've dealt with people that have one, one month left, and I've dealt with people that have two or three life sentences that are never getting out. And, and, and they, they've looked me dead in my eye and said, it's hopeless. And, and I've been able to look back at them and said, it's never hopeless. And so, and that's the most powerful thing that, that, that you can give a person is hope. That's, uh, I knew coming into this conversation what we were going to be talking about and still to hear you say you've had people that have two or three life sentences sitting across from you describing what it feels like is is jarring to me i obviously i cannot put myself in that situation and obviously most of the people who are going to watch and listen to this can't either the idea of hopelessness is something i think a lot of us can at least start to scratch at a little bit and have some inkling of what that feels like we've all been in situations where I just don't see a way out of this. I don't see what we're going to do. But that's a whole different level of hopelessness. What does it do to you on the other side? I mean, how, do, how are you able to empathize with someone who you literally can't put your feet in the shoes of when you know what they're describing to you is something differently than you've ever, you've ever felt that level of hopelessness? How are you able to, to empathize with someone? Yeah, somebody once said, you know, don't judge a person unless you walk a couple of miles in their shoes. Right. And one of the things, and I've taught, uh, you know, uh, college courses, you know, my students, one of the things I tell them is never tell somebody that you understand what they're going through because you don't. And I have never sat across from an, an inmate and, and said, man, I sure do know what you're going through because I don't. But yeah. I do, as you said, I do empathize with them. And it, it's really emotionally trying and draining because 
here is somebody that may have had 30 seconds of anger and committed a crime, and now they're going to spend the rest of their life without getting out, you know, no possibility of parole. Or, you know, somebody has committed, you know, an act and, 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 or acts, and, and, and they're never going to get out. And they got, uh, as I said, two or three life sentences. And, and you're sitting across from it, man, and it's flabbergasting. And, you know, many times in my career, you know, people came into me looking for help or spiritual help or any kind of help. And, and I'm praying, what do I say that's going to make a difference in this conversation? especially somebody that has a life sentence or, you know, 70, 80, 90 years stacked against them. And again, that's where listening comes in. That's where empathy comes in. And that's why you got to have that passion, you know, uh, for people and, and listen to them. And I learned years in before I put several years into this, I, I was always a fixer. And so when I started as a corrections chaplain, when the men would come to me, I'd want to fix it. I'd want to put my two cents in and tell them what I thought. And I come to realize <clears throat> after a while, sometimes they're not wanting me to fix it. Sometimes they just want me to listen. And so I'm a talker and I had to work real hard at keeping my mouth shut and, and, and letting these guys talk and letting these guys work it out. Because sometimes that's what they just want to do is come somewhere, somewhere that's safe and, yeah. and talk and work it out. And, and then all of a sudden, I started noticing guys would come in and they might be a little angry, not at me, but at the situation, at themselves. Um, and they'd start talking or they'd be sad or whatever. And they'd, they'd talk and they'd work it out. Next thing I know, they'd stand up and say, Chaplain, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I remember thinking, I haven't done anything. I haven't said anything. And it wasn't the fact that I, quote, unquote, done anything or that I said anything. It was the fact that I listened. It was the fact that I didn't judge them. It was the fact that they, they were able to come to a safe place and work through their feelings. And I can remember several people that after they'd done that, you could just tell that a, a weight was lifted off of them and because and, and they started working through it. Tell me about um, access to a chaplain for the men and women behind bars. Because I'm, I'm thinking about um, times in my life where I have had something that I've wanted to talk to. I've had lots of pastors and, and preachers in my life at different churches I've moved through along the way. I can think of small interactions where I've just wanted to come up and say, hey, can you be praying about this kind of thing? Or, hey, I need your advice on this kind of thing. And big things I've had in my life that I've had to kind of work myself up to go into talking to my preacher about and saying, Listen, I've got this thing that that's going on. I really could use some some insight. Either of those, I had some pretty easy access to the person who I was going to to get that. What kind of access? What does the the process look like if someone one of one of the charges there wants to speak to you or come to the chaplain's office? Is it a is it a simple thing to do? What's it look like whenever they want to when they do want to sit down and talk? So, it, we and I'll speak for myself for. For, uh, I make it as easy as possible. Uh, I, I've always had what we call open door 
which means a, a, a person can stop by any time. And, and as long as there's not somebody else in my office, I'm, I'm more than happy to speak to them. So I have open door. Uh, also, they're able to send a note to me, uh, a line of communication, and, and say, hey, Chap, I'd like to talk to you. And if they do that, then I will call their caseworker and, and we'll get them sent up. Uh, if somebody is in administrative segregation uh, and they send me a note, then I will go down to them. Um, I usually always try and get down there. Uh, if I get the note at the end of the day, I'll go down the beginning of the next day. If I get the note at the beginning of a day, then I try and get down there uh, by the end of that day. Um, and, and the reason I do that is because for me, if I'm going through something, I don't want to wait two, three, four, five days to talk to somebody. I won't talk to them now. And I've always been a person. I will treat people the way that I want to be treated. And that details, you know, dignity, respect, and, 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 and thinking, how would I want myself to be treated in this? And so that's why I've always had that open door. Uh, I've always answered the, the, the LLC's line of communication, the note. Uh, as quickly as possible. And we have a lot of good chaplains in this region and you'll see, and they pretty much do the same thing. Uh, and, and, and we, we really prioritize uh, those things. You know, a lot of times we may have a offender come in or an inmate that's had a death in the family or something tragic. And, and, and we will prioritize that because again, uh, they're going through something. And so we want to speak to them uh, and, and, and we may, uh, maybe we don't get them up to the office. Maybe we go speak to them in their housing unit. Maybe we get an area, you know, where we can talk to them, uh, you know, that that's a little bit more private, you know, where there's not yeah. a lot of other people around. More personal. Yeah. yeah. Um, you don't have to go into specifics on this, but I, I can't imagine some of the things you have heard sitting in your chair for the years that you've been doing this. From, from people, whether describing to you why they're in there, describing to you things that have happened to them while they've been in there or in their personal life before they even committed a crime. I imagine there've been some very heavy stuff. But I'm curious about when you're going into a situation like that and you know any given day you could hear something really tragic or really heavy do you try and start your day almost like bracing for that? Or do you, is it, does that make you too rigid? I, I hope that question makes sense. But like when you're, when you know you could get any number of, of tough bit of news from someone during the day, do you try to prepare yourself for that? Or do you feel like if you did that, it would not make you properly ready to listen to that person and what they have to say? I think that goes back to <clears throat> having a passion for what you do. I made a, statement several years ago in 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 a, another uh interview that was quoted you know that uh a lot of people don't aren't able to get up in the morning and and look forward to going to work and uh, i for now over 11 years have been able to have that passion i get to get up and have get look forward to going to work and um and i know that you know, what I do is trying at times. And so I'm always spiritually prepared. I'm always, you know, praying. I pray at night before I go to bed. I pray in the morning and, and I know that things are going to come. And so I'm always trying to be spiritually prepared 
and 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 you know because I yes things I've seen things and heard things that are just hideous and 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 it wears on you and and so yeah you certainly got to be prepared uh mentally spiritually and 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 so um i i don't necessarily brace myself but i'm i'm absolutely prepared um and and so that when when these things come uh you 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 take them in stride you know prayerful consideration uh and 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 then uh you you look at it, assess the situation, and and go from there. Have you ever been afraid of a person you were going to talk to? Not necessarily, and maybe if you were physically afraid of them, this person may have done some horrible things. What's what's the fear like for you? Have you had moments of real? This this makes me this makes me a little nervous to to go do this conversation. I have been. <clears throat> I think again, my first day. Uh, I was nervous. I've never really been afraid. I, I feel like God called me into this uh, career ministry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really call it a job. I, it's, it's more of a ministry. Um, and and I, I absolutely feel like God had called me into this ministry. Uh, the first day that uh, I was there, I, I sat across from uh, somebody that uh, was never getting out and um started crying and the 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 uh emotion had welled up in them so much and they started shaking and and everything kind of like a bomb getting ready to explode or a balloon getting ready to pop and and uh i thought that again my first day oh boy here we go and and um did that did that change your i mean that had to have been Okay, I'm sitting across from someone who is a hardened criminal, never getting out, and then they're crying during this conversation. I mean, for a first day, did that did that change kind of your perception of what you were doing pretty quickly? No, it really solidified because um, I, I it just kind of uh, drew me in even more, and and talking to friends and family, I and and you know you don't share anything like this, but you know just letting them know, boy, I was kind of nervous today. I know that I know that this was what I want to do for the rest of my life. There's everybody was like, there's something wrong with you. You know, you get nervous, but that draws you in. And I said, absolutely. So, yeah. um, and I, I've, I've never really been afraid. I've been nervous a few times, uh, but you know, we've had good custody staff all the time. You know, I got, I, I've got to say, DOC trains their custody staff and we've had great custody staff that have been there and 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 they do a good job where they they have walked with me or they have been around but they haven't really inserted themselves and been a nuisance and so that's really hard to do so i really appreciate our custody staff and caseworkers because at times caseworkers help me let me ask you about some more of the logistics of the job because obviously you come from a christian background but i would think it's safe to say that not every person behind bars right now and where you've been and the places you are now, the places you've been before, come from a Christian background of faith. They may be people of faith, but you have members of the Muslim community and Jewish faith and all kinds of different faiths that are coming to you. How do you, how do you juggle all that whenever you have different religions that are still coming to you and uh, seeking counsel? Well, you know, there's a scripture that says, I'm all things to all people. And that's absolutely what a chaplain is, especially a corrections chaplain. Um, you're, you're, you're different 
things to different people. Uh, and so uh, the one thing that I've always done is uh, told the, the MA population, I'm going to make you the best fill in the blank that you can be. You know, chaplains got to be familiar with different faith groups. And so, <clears throat> you know, I, I will tell an offender, I will make you the best fill in the blank. I will make you the best Muslim. I will make you the best Wiccan. I will make you the best Catholic. I will make you the best, uh, you know, Messianic Jew. I will make you the best whatever it is, and I will help you. I will make sure and that we get you the material that's going to spiritually build you up. I will be here for you. If, if there's something I can do for you, let me know. And, and, and so sometimes when the guys come in, they, they have that mindset, well, you're a Christian, you're, you're, you're going to be discriminatory. And the thing that I'll ask them, I don't talk about my faith because my faith at, at work is not germane to anything. And so for over 11 years, I've always said, and they said, well, you're Christian, so you're not going to help me. I'll say, how do you know what I am? And, and, and then we, and then they start laughing. And I, I, years and years and years ago, uh, was a comedian. And so I've always found that sometimes humor can deescalate a situation. And, and so in, in, in talking to them, when they said, well, you're a Christian, you're not going to help me because I'm a Muslim. Wait a minute. I, I ain't said what I am. How do you know I even got any faith? And then they'll be like, Oh, mercy. Hopefully you got some kind of faith because you're a chaplain. And, and so then what I'm doing is I'm making them feel at ease. What I'm doing is listening to them and talking to them. And then once, you know, they feel at ease, then I ask them, you know, what their need is. Maybe they just, they're looking for a certain book. Maybe they're looking for a resource. Maybe they're looking for an address of, of their, uh, you know, for, for their mosque or for their temple or for their church or their diocese. I, I can help them, you know, and, and, and get that for them. And again, it, it doesn't do anything but edify them spiritually and, and help them out. I got to say, I was not prepared for you to say Wiccan in that list of make you the best, whatever. And I like that. That didn't even occur to me, but I'm I'm sure it is a situation where you've you've come up with and encountered lots of different faiths besides just the normal ones we would not. I shouldn't say normal, but the most frequent ones we we would hear on a regular basis. That's interesting yeah. to me. And, 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 and that's the great thing. I, I've always been a person that uh, that thrives on always, again, I'm a multitasker. My mind operates as a three-ring circus. And, and a day of a chaplain, it's never boring. I can <laughs> assure you of that. I and, believe that. And, and you know, we have uh, uh, several different faith groups and, 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 and being familiar with them and, you know, uh, whether we agree with them, whether we don't agree, that that don't even come into play because you're so busy. You know, yeah, you 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 have several different faith groups and and that people don't even realize. I hope you you'll indulge me going down this path a little bit, but something you said really struck me there: being a person of faith like you are, and coming into your job as a person of faith and as a, of a as a person personally on your own right of a specific faith as a Christian, but not feeling like it's your responsibility to push that on anybody you're encountering. And the idea of, of pushing a faith or pushing a faith tradition or the way we're supposed to do, I think there's a wide spectrum of how people decide they're going to share their faith and how much they're going to share their faith. And if it's a 
let me tell you a little bit about myself so you know who I am versus all the way to, no, let me tell you why you should be doing the way I'm doing. Um, does that does that strike you that you're you're a person of faith, you were a congregation leader for more than a decade, and now here you are in your job, not necessarily trying to impart or share your faith specifically on other people when they come in? Is that is that something you expected? Well, actually, I impart my faith all the time because, <clears throat> you know, although I may not be preaching with my words, I'm preaching with my actions. Mm-hmm. And so that scripture, let your light shine before men, that's exactly what I do, whether, you know, whoever it is faith-wise, you know, and, and my spiritual beliefs and my, my faith uh, will exude whether I'm, no matter who I'm talking to. Yeah. And, and I've had several inmates when they come in, and, and, and maybe they've lost a mother or a sister or a brother or a father, and they're very upset, and, and I'm ministering to them, and I'm talking to them, and I'm listening, and they will look me dead in my eyes and say, aren't you going to preach to me? Well, I guess I can, but this ain't really the time to be, you know, preached to. This is yeah. the time for me to listen to you and, 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 and so on and so forth. And yeah. so, and then afterwards, uh, I think one of the greatest compliments is for I've had many of the inmates get up and, and, and shake my hand and say, you're different than what I thought you were going to be. And I say, is that good or is that bad? Because they're looking for me to, to come in and for me to judge them or look down upon them. And again, I wouldn't want nobody to judge me or look down upon me. So I'm not going to do it to somebody else, especially if they've lost somebody in their life. And, and so um, through my actions, I'm preaching, yeah. uh, and 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 I've had, you know, people uh, throughout my time say you you don't you don't act like a chaplain, and my question is, what does a chaplain act like? Am I supposed to speak King James English and <laughs> walk around wearing a robe, or you know, no, I'm an everyday person, and and I'm I'm thankful to God that he's allowed me to have such a great opportunity to be able to go into one of the most spiritually dark places and, and, and minister and speak to and help guys every day of their life. And, and one of the main things that I tell guys is make better choices. <clears throat> now, that may not be, quote-unquote, a really uh, faith-filled statement, but in, 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 in essence it is because that – statement is going to be different to everybody for a christian make a better choice maybe you know read your bible more for a muslim that may mean you need to pray more for a catholic that may mean you need to you know pray your rosary more for each person of faith that statement you know is going to mean something different yeah so and and so and everything that i do and really chaplains all alike you know, we allow our faith to come through by by our actions and not our words. I'm sure you've had conversations with people in your personal life where your job comes up if they don't already know what you do, and some of them or all of them have said, oh, I could never do that. Um, tell me about what you have learned about the incarcerated community and the people who have been incarcerated and are now out has your perspective on that lifestyle 
changed? Has it been some, I mean, you, I know you said you did some prison ministry before you got into full-time chaplaincy, but what, how, has that changed the way you think of and how you talk to other people about people with a criminal history and have spent some time in jail? Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> a couple of years ago, I'd done uh, a magazine article that was published and, and the title of it was, what does a prison chaplain do? Uh, and I was at an airport and a lady struck a conversation up with me and asked what I did. I told her I was a prison chaplain and she said, oh, what do they do? And, and so even in prison ministry years ago, it was nothing compared to uh, becoming the, the full-time chaplain. Uh, you know, as, as a chaplain, uh, we don't have the time to go into all the services and, and, and conduct them. So we use volunteers to do that. Uh, the chaplains do a lot of administrative uh, logistics yeah. and a lot of coordinating. So our volunteers, and bless their heart, uh, they're the ones that are able to go in and minister to the guys and to the gals and, and, and really uh, uh, help them, uh, you know, with the services. And so, yeah, when I came... Uh, to full-time chaplaincy, it was a lot different because I I had these visions of grandeur. I was going to go in and preach in all the services and and the other service, I was going to go in and help them and this and that. And when I got in there and seen, you know, I had 1,400 guys, it quickly dawned on me, there ain't no way that I'm going to be able to do this. And so you get hit with reality and yeah, it was way different. So when I talk to people, or when people talk to me, you know, in society and they ask what I do, uh, you know, one of the things they, they will say, why do you want to minister to those guys that have done these hideous things to other people? And, and I've been, uh, I, I, I've had some people not real happy with my career choice and, and have in no uncertain terms, let me know about it. But I tell them over 90% of these folks are going to come back in society. That's a huge percentage. Yeah. And so the role of a chaplain is we want to get a hold of these guys and these gals before they get back out in society. We want to help them build a foundation of faith. We want to help them build a foundation of making better choices. We want to help them build a foundation of, of, of better thinking. We want to help them understand some things. We want to help them with resources. If I can get with a guy or gal and get them some resources so that when they get out, they can go somewhere and get help with clothes and food and job uh, employment opportunities, then then we've just, uh, you know, uh, dealt with three of the main issues. But for those that get out and they don't have that, they're going to go right back to what they know, robbing, stealing whatever the case may be. So if we can get a hold of them and, and we can get them, provide them with resources and, and get them in contact with some people when they get out, then, then we have helped them and, uh, you know, start building that foundation. And, and so, and we at times have um, ex-offenders that actually go back into the prisons after years, you know, after they've been on parole and 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 several years down the road, and they go back into prisons and 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 let the guys know that you can do it. Again, that's providing that hope. Uh, I I got a couple of gentlemen that that I I minister with that that go into prisons and 
and uh, and and they do that. Um, sometimes it the 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 uh, you know the inmates will listen to them rather than somebody that's never been quote unquote in their shoes. And I got yeah. these guys that can go in and, and say I've been there, I've done that, and 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 it didn't work out. So you know you you deal and speak to you know people in society uh, about it and explain that. And tell them we're, we're trying we're trying to help them before they get back out into society. It strikes me potentially how different maybe the final conversation you have with someone before they leave, before they're getting out, and you've been talking to them for any number of months or years maybe, and they're going to get out, versus maybe the first set of conversations they're going to have with somebody outside. Maybe it's a job interview or something like that that may not be thrilled about the fact that this person was behind bars, whereas the final conversation they had with you might have been filled with hope and happiness. And Chaplain, I'm, I feel so much better than I did a year ago, or like I'm ready to go. T take me inside, if you if you have one, those that, that final conversation with someone before they're getting ready to go out, what their mindset is like, what the, the vibe is like. Is it, is it hope? Is it fear? Is it... Um, regret what what's a what's a person like on that that last conversation before they are getting ready to leave prison yes i i <clears throat> i spoke to guys that have been in a year or two and getting ready to get out and I've, I've had guys sitting across from me that have been in 25 30 years and they're getting ready to get out and the common thread is they're scared yeah what if what if i get out there and i don't get hired what if i get out there and fall back into that what if I get out there and and, I'll, and and I say, well, what if I grow wings and fly away? We can what if all day long, but what are we going to do about that? And so that I, then I had that opportunity to start ministering to them and and helping them with that make better choices, and 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 so again we're providing the hope and we're providing you know some uplifting and encouragement. Uh, we're providing resources. And, and and I do deal with them on reality. Reality is now you're going to be, you know, on pro and you're you're going to be, you know, a, a felon, and you're going to have a harder time. But don't allow that to to cloud your judgment. Don't allow that to cloud good thinking. And get out there and 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 uh, your word, one word. Yet I haven't got that good job yet. I haven't got you know, this yet. I haven't got my house all set up yet. And, I, and I'll and i tell them, hard work, dedication, you will get there. And, and, and again, we get them in, in touch with and, 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 and uh, a lot of people in society that can help them with that. And so down the road, they're thinking about these things. And they, they, I drill that, that word yet into them. And, and so when we get them in touch with other people, they will assist them with everything they need. Uh, for a guy that's been in for 25 years, he's getting out. He don't know what a cell phone is. Yeah. When he got it, when he, last time he, he was writing checks. We have debit cards now. He don't know how to use a debit card. He don't know, you know, what, what it is for all these things. And so uh, we certainly have uh, programs in, in our institutions that help them with this before they get out. But again, uh, for me, when they come in and tell me these things, I get them in touch with some people on the outside uh, to that. Well, once they get out, that's going to help them with these things, because now 
not only are they scared, but now they're embarrassed because yeah. when they get out, they're worried people are going to judge them. They're worried people are going to make fun of them, you know? And, and so I, I let them know, you know, and get them in touch with some people and say, these are some people that a have either been where you were and they got out and done fine. Or these are some people that specialize in helping guys. And, and then I encourage them and, and let them know that they're not there to make fun of you. You know, they're there to, to encourage you and help you uh, achieve success. And, and, and in doing all that, then it kind of gets them uh, excited and looking forward to getting out. Yeah. Matt, I could talk to you all day. I think this is really interesting, but there is one, one more topic I wanted to touch with you, on with you a little bit is to maybe offer some advice to people who hear this or listen to this that are considering doing prison ministry or do prison ministry as part of their various faith traditions. Can you give me some, maybe some advice on things you wish people who come into the prison to do ministry would do more of? And maybe something you wish they'd do less of whenever they come in. Maybe some, if there are any, I mean, anything you can tell me that someone's considering or that someone that does this on a regular basis that you would, you could change if you could on prison ministry. Well, <clears throat> we're always looking for folks that want to come in and volunteer. Uh, yeah. I've had folks say, you know, if you could use me and, and I'll tell them, I'll use you so much. You won't pick the phone up when you see it's me calling. Yeah. Uh, we're excited to, to have volunteers. And, you know, uh, it, it isn't always on the face side. We have opportunities for, for folks to volunteer, uh, maybe teaching GED classes or teaching other classes. There's a lot of different ministries. And I tell people, you know, sometimes ministry isn't religious. And, and right. they look at me, um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, volunteers that come in and teach GED or teach other classes or, or help out maybe not on the chapel side. We have those that help out on the chapel side. Um, so uh, one thing that I, I, I wish volunteers knew or would do more of is, you know, contact us chaplains and, and, and ask questions. Uh, we, we are all uh, excited about that. We, we want to be able to share and, and uh, let folks know that, you know, maybe you have an hour a week to volunteer. That's great. We will take that. Maybe you have 10 hours a week to volunteer. We'll take that. We, we want to accommodate them. If they feel like God has called them to come and volunteer and minister, we absolutely want to accommodate that. Um, on the flip side, something that, um, as far as, you know, wishing or hoping that, you know, volunteers wouldn't do, uh, I'd say it's the same thing. They, they, they come in with pre notions, if that's a word, you know, yeah. they come in thinking that, you know, because this is what it's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. This is how it's going to be. And, and officers, or they call them guards, you know, guards are, you know, mean to the offenders and beating them and nobody cares for them and, and this and that. And I, I would, you know, hope and, and that, you know, they would come in. And, 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 you know, whether volunteering, keep an open mind. Yeah. Um, and I've had, I, I can never think of any volunteer that after, you know, a couple of times coming in said, yep, I was right about that. Uh, huh. They've always said, you know, 
They could not believe how many programs we had. They could not believe, you know, how how much access to the chapel or to, you know, spiritual uh, materials that that a inmate had. I mean, uh, at our chapels, we have thousands of books. We have uh, DVDs. We have CDs. Uh, you know, guys were able, able to check those out, you know, and so now they got their, their tablets. And so they're able, you know, to uh, download and, and they have that on their tablets. Yeah. Uh, they're at a lot of our chapels. We have listening stations where a guy can go check a DVD out and watch a movie. Uh, so, you know, and so a lot of times they're very surprised how much access they have. They're very surprised at how professional our staff is. They're very surprised at how accommodating our staff is. Last question I've got for you, Matt, is you've been doing this for a decade plus, specifically being a chaplain for a decade plus now. Um, the idea of like real world faith has come to me as I've, as I've talked to you. That, 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 that's a thought that's been kicking around my head during this conversation. And you've been exposed to more real world than most of us will ever be exposed to. Um, it's very easy as a person of faith to for lack of a better phrase, kind of sit in your tower and think the world is a certain way because you've never been out of the tower. You have, you have been in the moat for, for a decade plus and seen a lot of it. Um, how is your faith personally different now than it was 11 years ago when you started this? Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, as a, before I became a corrections chaplain, uh, you know, I, I knew about prisons, you know, cause I'd done prison ministry, but I didn't know, you know, the ins and outs. I didn't know why, uh, a lot of the inmates did what they did. And, uh, and also, um, what goes on in, in, in prisons and how dark of a spiritual environment that is. And, you know, sometimes, you know, people say, just lock them up and throw away the key. Well, that's fine, I guess, for them. But the problem is these folks are going to get back out. And yeah. so chaplains, we want to go in there and and and, and we want and, and, and we do. Uh, somebody told me a while back they came up and, and their words were, hey, I'm thankful for you, Matt, because you go in there and you do the dirty work. I'm not going in there. I'm not going to do I'm not going to do that. You go in there, you do the dirty work. And then and, and help them out, and then they come back out. So, you know, chaplains, we like to get in there and quote-unquote do what somebody called the dirty work. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it's a very revealing uh, atmosphere when you get in there. And I travel on the weekends, and I speak at different churches and, and, and do different events. And, and, and so um, people are always asking what it's like to be a correction chef or work in a prison or, and, you know, always wanting stories. And I try to keep stories out of it, you know, um, and I try not to do uh, a lot of talking um, outside of, you know, the job about yeah. experiences and so forth like that, because, you know, uh, people that don't or are not um, associated or familiar with prison or prison ministry uh, give you this certain look, like "Oh my word!" And, yeah. and so, uh, but they, you don't want to sensationalize. It's a, it's a real it's it's people's real lives. You're not trying to sensationalize things. Not at all. Not at all. Yeah. And you know, and there's things, and you know, on TV sometimes, you know, that 
will sensationalize things. Now, bad things happen, uh, horrible things happen, but you know, uh, it all happens and people, it's in their lives. And, and that's one thing that, you know, as chaplains, we, we take very seriously is, you know, the fact that, you know, when these guys come to us or these girls come to us, you know, it's our privilege to, to be able to minister to them. And, and they're coming in, they're taking a risk. You know, yeah. they don't, they, they, at first they don't know us. They don't know if we're going to yell at them, scream at them, judge them, be condescending. So they're taking a risk. So, you know, it, 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 it is very um, humbling for folks to come in and, and entrust you like that. And it's very humbling, you know, after all these years, I think back and, you know, when bad things happen and you see bad things uh, and, and, and you go home, family don't understand what you go through. You know, you don't, you, you hold it in. I, I can't tell, you know, my family what I've seen. Uh, I can't tell your friends what you've seen. So you hold it in. So, um, you know, in, in, uh, it's the same for any of our staff, officers especially. And so, you know, we, we rely on each other. That's why we say, you know, the department is our family. And, and I've talked to many of the folks, probably wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now without, you know, some of these fine folks and wardens and deputy wardens and other chaplains that I've spoke to. Uh, and, and, and you, you get that, that, that tight family bond. And, and so just a blessing to, to be able to do uh, all these years what, what God has called me to do. Matt, I can't thank you enough for your time today. This has been, you know, eye-opening, but maybe different kind of eye-opening than I thought about it, it was going to be. So I, I appreciate your insight and your thoughts. Uh, thank you so, so much for, for what you're doing and for uh, just your time this morning. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate being on. Thanks for your time.